0: How are you guys? You guys are doing good? Yes, we're doing good. Let's, uh, we had a great time of worship and it's always nice to come and worship God. And uh, I just felt as we were singing and praising our Lord Jesus, I just felt uh, some of the main messages of what I'm trying to say already came through from the standpoint of what God was saying in the pre-service prayer time. For those of you who may not know, we we gather at 9.30 to pray downstairs in the basement. Uh, Everyone's welcome. And uh, it came through during then, it came during the worship time, so hopefully I would try to do it justice for what God is trying to say this morning. The reason I bring that up is we come prepare, uh, the worship team is to prepare, I came prepare, but we always want to be obedient to what God is saying. On a Sunday morning, You know, we want to be able to pivot and follow God, otherwise we are setting our own agenda versus trusting that God is setting setting the agenda for us and we're following the agenda that God has for us. But um, good morning again. And as some of you uh, are making your way up, hopefully you can still hear uh, me downstairs in the basement. So you can bring your coffee up and uh, and join us. We, uh, as Mike said, we will be starting a new series on Ephesians for this morning. I love this book because it covers so many different topics from the indescribable foresight of God's wisdom and his um, plan for creation, all before creation, all before creation to the greatness of salvation down to the very basic topic of uh, everyday life for us as his people. Um, Ephesians and perhaps Romans is, uh, Ephesians specifically is a big picture book in terms of life itself, including creation and eternity. As in, we're seeing things from a 10,000 feet uh, viewpoint. This book of Ephesians is giving us a glimpse into the bigness of God's plan, His majesty, His power, His uh, infinite wisdom, and how we fit into His plan. Uh, I want a specific guy to say that how we fit into his plan because a lot of time we have a tendency to think, well, God, where are you in the process of my plan? It's usually, it should be the other way around, how we fit into God's plan. Uh, an illustration is similar to uh, this book of Ephesians. Uh, the only illustration I could think of for uh, Ephesians is, is similar to playing chess. For those of you, who who knows how to play chess here? Good, I'm glad, there's there's a lot of hands are going up. Chess is a great game. So when playing chess, you want to plan ahead, several moves ahead, in terms of anticipating your opponent's moves and how you will react to it and how your opponents would react to your moves. And um, since this is God, and the game of chess for God is much different than how we play, so this is God, he knew all the moves throughout the game. Uh, secondly, this book is also very helpful for us to provide an answer to the question, what is the meaning of life? I, I, I think we all have heard that before, right? People always ask you, what's the meaning of life? What's the point of life? What am I here for? What do I live for? Well, if you read and study Ephesians, it will give us uh, the ability to provide a comprehensive answer to that question. So please keep in mind uh, on the book of Ephesians for us, we will only take two Sundays per chapter. So we will not be able to go into details in every single word in the Ephesians. So that's why I encourage everyone to study and read this in your own time. Uh, as an example, Michael Eaton, for those of you who may or may not know him, he's a very well-known theologian outside of America. Uh, he spent 88 sermons on the Ephesians. So for us, 12 sermons, it may seem long to you, but it's really not that long. Uh, it's all relative, right? So uh, this morning, I will try to uh, briefly take us through the first half of Ephesians chapter one. Hopefully, by now, with my long introduction, you have found Ephesians in the Bible. If not, no worries, I have the verses behind me. So let's start with verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So in verse 1, we see Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. An apostle, I just want to say that an apostle is a gift. It is a privilege given to Paul by the will of God. It's a gift. It is not a title. I think we have a tendency to use the title to call people, but it is a gift. Uh, an example is we don't say athlete Michael Jordan or entertainer Taylor Swift or uh, soccer player Lionel Messi, evangelist Billy Graham. That is his gifting, but we don't call him evangelist Billy Graham. He's just Billy Graham who is an evangelist that goes and has an evangelist gifting or runner Usain Bolt. I think I've used enough examples. Right? Usain Bolt is amazingly fast. We don't go around to call him runner Usain Bolt. So, those are the things that they are gifted in, which have been given by the will of God freely. Freely. There are, the, there are many who have been given this amazing gift by God who may or may not fully walk into those areas. So we need to remember back about the gifting because there are other people who have the gift of an apostle but are not fully walking into it. Should we not call them apostle? Well, if so, it is based on what they do or their performance. So therefore, I'm trying to get is is a gift. It is not a title, and this is something to keep in mind. That topic is actually worth a sermon by, uh, by itself. Uh, we will get more into the specifics of the gift of the apostle in uh, Ephesians chapter four. That chapter lists the fivefold gifting that are, have been given by Jesus to build up the church: apostle, prophet, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The gifting which Jesus gave to some people to help strengthen and build up the church. Uh, very briefly on the gift of an apostle, that gift is that gift is to help to reinforce, to remind us that Jesus is the anchor. Jesus is the foundation for everything. Not just in our lives, but in everything in existence. Uh, So verse 1, Paul was addressing himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Not based on what he has done, but by the will of God. The second verse is is who this letter is addressed to, right? It's addressed to, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This letter was addressed to God's people in Ephesus. But please don't tune out. Since we are God's people here and now, over 2,000 years later in Chicago, but we are also God's people. So it also addresses to us, we are all God's people. So this letter is still very applicable to us today. So please don't tune out to think, well, that was to Ephesus, to those people back then. No, it still is very applicable to us and just think of the big picture. It provides us with a big picture of what God is planning. Uh, what are the qualifications to be God's people? Uh, I, I know this is a church setting. I know most of us, this is preaching to the choir, but I don't want to assume that because not everybody knows that, right? Hopefully, what, not all of us know what are the quali- qualifications to be God's people. All you have to do is put our trust in Jesus Christ. The moment that we repent of our sins and accept that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, that the Son of God died for our sins and welcome Him to be our King and our Savior, we become God's people. All of our sins have been forgiven as we are welcomed into the kingdom of God and become the children of God, become God's people. It's that easy. We must never, ever forget that. And we must never, ever, ever put anything more on it when we share with other people to make sure that we all know it's really, it is really that easy because Jesus has done all the heavy works for us. So once we got the, uh, the introductory part out of the way, the very next verse, without saying anything else, I felt like Paul launched into his praise for God. Right? Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. As I was reading this, I felt like his heart was completely full, completely full of the gratefulness of God's goodness. He was full of gratefulness for God's faithfulness, his, God's grace, God's love, God's glory, God's majesty. Looking at this verse, we must be reminded, I was reminded That is not enough just to intellectually have correct doctrine. While it is important, very important, to have correct doctrines of scriptures, our hearts must and should be full of praise for God. Do we, do I, praise God like this? Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do we praise God like this? Do we praise God authentically and passionately worshiping God from a place of thankfulness, from a place of knowing God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ? Paul did this because it was through his revelation of who God is. This was not a lip service statement. I think we know that. We we know that because we have seen how Paul lived his life. He only... He not only gave praise to, and glory to Jesus through how we live, but also with his lips, right? So for those of you, if you think, well, I'm just showing up, that's my praise for God, check out this verse. Praise God our Father. So I want to briefly pause and say that this is why we start our Sunday corporate gatherings with worship songs before doing anything else. Before doing anything else. We want to give praise and glory to God. We don't do it because that's how it's been done for the last hundreds of years. We don't do it because, well, other churches are doing it, so we should be doing it too. We do it because we want to start with worshiping God so we can reposition our heart, check our hearts, and recognize above all else. Even if we just have worship for three hours, I want to do it. Because my heart is full of gratefulness and thankfulness and the revelation of who God is and how amazing he is. And with that said, I wanted to encourage everyone to prioritize coming to church early so we can all worship together. Worship is not a band singing a few songs. I know for those who have been attending, you you hear this over and over again. And I know this is something that we're good at. And this is one of our strengths because it's, it's not a place where the band just play us a few songs to help us get into the mood. Uh, corporate worship is a big part of why, not just at restoration, if I may say, but for all followers of Jesus when we gather on Sundays. We believe that, I believe that we're doing well in this area, but it's always good to be reminded on why we worship and how to worship. Uh, Paul had this revelation. It is something that we all of God's people should have. This was why he launched into praising God before. Before he talked about anything else. Before he talked about what God has done. So let that be an encouragement to all of us, myself included, to prioritize worship, both individually and corporately. After giving praise and honor to God, Paul then, then he talks about what God has done. So let's look at uh, verses four through six. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. We are holy and blameless. We are holy and blameless. Just like the song that we sang, right? God has turned shame into what? Glory. We are holy and blameless through Jesus. So when we come and worship, know that there's no guilt, no shame, no, like, depressions. Worship God, and he will turn those things into his glory. That's why we got to worship God. God. Um, and, and know that we're holy and blameless through Jesus. We have to be holy and blameless. Otherwise, we cannot stand before him to worship him because he is holy. He is blameless. So that part always causes me to marvel at the amazing goodness and the love of God. And in love, he predestined for us to be holy and blameless. Here's a key right here. Before the creation of the world, he predestined us to be holy and blameless, in love before the creation of the world. So Before creation, before he separated day and night. Before he created the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky. Before the earth was created. He had already in love predestined us to be God's people. For adoption to sonship Daughtership through Jesus. He did this in love, not because he was lonely or obligated. Please know, he doesn't need anything. He is perfect. He's perfectly fine by himself, but in love, he predestined that. So going back to the illustration I gave earlier about playing chess and seeing um, several moves or multiple moves ahead, here we get to see that God knew how things would go because he planned it before the game even started, in our case, before creation, before the creation of the world. So isn't that amazing? If I can play chess like that, I'm sure no one would ever want to play with me. God knew about, the, the, the things that's so amazing for me, and hopefully it's a challenge to all of us, is he knew all about the terrible, crazy, stupid, ignorant, shameful, arrogant, prideful, selfish things that we have done. Maybe I just say it, that I have done. I don't want to lump you guys in that group, that I have done or, what, or that we would do in the future. He knew all those things and he's still in love. Brought us into adoption. He did that because of his love for us, of His pleasure and will, right? Going back to that, because he wasn't obligated. It wasn't because, well, I guess I have to because he believed in Jesus, so I have to do this. No, because of his pleasure and will. So we can freely receive the right to be his sons and daughters through Jesus. From the very beginning of time, keep going back to to that, before the creation of the world. He had planned all this us to be the children of God. So, then, so, so we can do what? So what can we do? To the praise of his glorious grace. To the praise of his glorious grace. That's in verse 6. We were not chosen to adoption as sons and daughters to the praise of his glorious power or to the praise of his glorious um, majesty. What God wants us to see more than anything is the glory It's grace. God wants our praise and our worship because we have experienced his grace. Experience his grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So it's up to us to determine how much we want to receive the revelation of, to the praise of his glorious grace. To the praise of his glorious grace. What I'm trying to say is, do we praise God because, well, I feel so bad and I feel guilty, so I need to praise God so I can receive mercy. But we praise God because we have received his grace and we are so thankful for his grace. That's why he's bringing us into adoption so then we can praise him for his glorious grace. Paul had that revelation. So how can we have the greater revelation of praising God for his glorious grace? He's getting to know more of Jesus. Not looking for more from Jesus. More of Jesus, not more from Jesus. It's a very important distinction. You know, I know sometimes we hear the term, well, I go to Jesus for strength. Yes, that's true. I go to Jesus for rest. Yes, that's true. But if we want more of Jesus, then we our eyes focus on Jesus, not on our circumstances not on the things that have happened to us, not on the things that we have done or can do or able to do or not able to do, but we focus on Jesus, focus on how amazing he is. The more we know of Jesus, the more that we will experience more of his glorious grace. The more of Jesus will lead us to have more of his grace, leads to more revelation of his majesty, more revelation of his power, more revelation of his love. More from Jesus, which is not theologically incorrect, more of Je- from Jesus to think that we're special and we're loved, which we are. And we treat Jesus as a vending machine. We only go to Jesus in time of need. Right? We go to Jesus when things are tough. Like Jesus, I-, I need breakthrough in this job. Jesus, I need breakthrough in this addiction. Jesus, I need this. And it's, it's usually it's about us. But when we have more of Jesus, it will help us to be unwavering when things are well, are going well, and unwavering when things are tough because we keep our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of our faith versus more from Jesus is because, wait, I thought I was special. Why are all these things happening to me? So it causes us to shift our eyes to us. So keep our eyes on Jesus. More of Jesus will help us to recognize, God, I want to praise you for your glorious grace because you are amazing. Okay, I'm running out of time. So we'll try to quickly go through the, the, the next few verses. So let's look at verses seven through 10. All right, so in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. These verses elaborated on how we receive adoption of sonship and daughtership. We, we have been redeemed from all the ignorant and selfish things through his blood that was shed on the cross. We, those things have been redeemed through God, Jesus' blood on the cross. So we have been forgiven of sins and, and because of the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Here it is again. The riches of, of God's grace that has been lavished upon us. God has now made known to us the mystery of his will through his wisdom and understanding and good pleasure. That means the time will come when God will bring all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Using the illustration of the game of chess, right? We know the end game. We see that now. The time will come when all things will be united under the headship of Christ. So we know what the end's gonna what, what the, the end game will be. So Jesus Christ will be victorious. Victorious over all things. So the game of life is going as planned. If I can use that, the game of life. For those of you, have you ever played the game of life? Have you heard of the game of life? I don't play that game, but I know my family plays that game. It's always just, I find that very interesting, the game of life. I don't see Jesus on that board anywhere, but somehow it's a game of life. So the game of life is going as planned and it will end accordingly. Uh, So let's, Let's, so, so we see that. It's going as planned. Jesus created all things. He had planned all things. And at the end, this is going to happen. Jesus is going to be victorious. So let's look at the next uh, four verses. So in him, we were also chosen. Going back again. God has planned all these things. And he has chosen us. Regardless of what we have or have not done. He has also chosen us. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything. And in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing of our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions, to the praise of His glory. I do want to point out, Notice how often we see in him, in Christ, in the one he loves, just in the first 14 verses. In him, in Christ, in him, in Christ. I trust that reinforced what I said earlier about us as followers of Jesus, wanting more of Jesus. Not more from Jesus, but wanting more of Jesus, which is the one we want to be with him. and We want him to be with us instead of more from Him. So extremely briefly on these four verses, the passage re- repeats again of that what happened before creation. Before the chess game even started, God has planned to save us from the slavery of sin through our hope in Jesus when we believed in the gospel of salvation. Isn't that amazing? I can't wrap my mind around that. Before all things had started, God had planned everything out. So if you wonder... What's going to happen three months from now, God already knew. He planned that already. That, well, anyway, maybe it just baffles my mind for just to amazingly how incredible God is. So going back to the gospel of salvation, that means that the moment that we receive Jesus, believe that Jesus died for us, we become God's people. And we have been given a deposit, which is the Holy Spirit. A guarantee of our inheritance. And I want to touch on this, on this word inheritance. In verse 11, in the NIV, it started with, in him we were also chosen. Instead of chosen, other translations use the word inheritance, which I believe is a more accurate reflection for this passage according to Paul's overall writings. In him, other translations, the ESV said, in him we have obtained an inheritance. So... In Him, in Jesus, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. So Jesus is our inheritance. Our inheritance is Jesus. We may have heard about the heavenly inheritance, you know, some the riches waiting for us. I think in general, if you read the children's book, there's a chest of gold and you know what, waiting for us. But that inheritance is somewhat incorrect. The inheritance that we see in scriptures, the inheritance is Jesus. Jesus is our inheritance. Our inheritance is to be with him and in his presence fully and completely along with everything else all the time. Everything else in creations. That is the heavenly inheritance. Right now, we have a deposit, a smaller, smaller portion of a much larger portion. When all things are united under the headship, Of Jesus, we will be constantly, all the time, overwhelmed with the fullness of the presence of Jesus, just like what we see in Revelation 21. So, during the worship time, if you had a moment of revelation, of just this amazing feeling of, wow, God, you are so great. Well, just imagine, instead of that few seconds, a few minutes, and hopefully you had that the whole time that we were worshiping. We would have that all the time. Not just us, but with everyone else all together. That is our inheritance. So Jesus is our inheritance. That is waiting for us. I want to quickly say something uh, before bringing us into land for this morning on, on this passage is that just as in Exodus, when God set his people free from slavery under the Egyptians, and leading them with a cloud by day and fire by night into the promised land. I'm looking around and see, hopefully, you, all, you guys all have heard that, right? That was a foreshadowing of the things to come for us. We have been set free from the slavery of sin through the blood of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is the present day, the present time, or if I can say a better version, if I can use that term better version of cloud by day and fire by night that we have. That is leading us into our promised land. So our promised land is when all things in heaven and on earth united under the headship of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit, so it's a foreshadowing of the things to come. So let's not wander around for 40 years. We don't know how long it's going to be. But let's be faithful. Trust the Holy Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, you, a lot of time for me, hopefully it's not for everyone else, you, you read Exodus and you see, how could those people be so bad? How could they be so bad and just so disobedient, thinking that they know so much better? And then I start looking at all the things that I have done. It's like, oh, okay. That makes sense. I get it. But we almost get like a do-over. So let's trust and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to speak to us, and reveal more who, who, who Jesus is. Because whether it is a day from now or 500 years from now, when all things are united under the headship of Jesus, let's trust in the Holy Spirit. Trust in God. And knowing that we have the promised land, is waiting for us. And I want to wrap up this morning by pointing out that this, there are two points. If you go home and read this, and if you remember anything from this morning, remember these two points. In the first 14 verses of Ephesians, it's number one. The first 14 verses give us a glimpse of the big picture of God's plan for creations. God's plan before creations, and what's going to happen right now during our lifetime and what's gonna happen at the end. So read Ephesians. So if anyone ever come and ask you, well, what is the meaning of life? What is the point of life? Please share this with them. Share this with them to help them have a better handle, to give them a security into the things that are waiting for us and to know of the mighty God that we serve, the amazing God that we serve, so we can all together praise God for His glorious grace. And the second thing, so number one is, hopefully now you can answer what is the meaning of life, right? If you didn't have the answer for that before, that is the answer for what is the meaning of life. Point people to the book of Ephesians. The second thing is, in Christ. In him, in the one that he loves, in Christ. More of Jesus. Jesus is our inheritance. Jesus is our inheritance, we have been given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee deposit, right? So to, we have the Holy Spirit so we can get a, a little taste, a little glimmer, a, a little preview. For those of you, I love movies. I think if you have been here long enough, you know that I always use movies preferences. Me and I want to say all my kids, but maybe just Joel, the little Joel. We're the only two that loves watching previews because we can see, oh, this is so exciting. I just want to see the highlights. That is what we have through the Holy Spirit. Tap into the Holy Spirit so you can get a preview of the things to come. Uh, That's what we get because when the time comes, you get to experience the whole thing all the time. When the time comes, when all things in heaven as on earth are brought to complete unity under the headship of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? To know that the mighty God that we serve, the mighty God that we worship. So, if you ever wonder, well, why do I get up on Sunday? People ask you, why do you go to church on Sunday? Why do you get up? Why do you uh, not watch football? Why, you, why don't you send your, let your, uh, your kids sleep in? Or why don't you let your kids play sports on Sunday morning? It's because we want to gather together. Because we want to praise God for His glorious grace. Because He is amazing. Because of His love for us. So, um... So that's what I have for this morning. And I just feel there's more, there's so much more to come in Ephesians. And I want to encourage you guys, breathe along with us, study with us. And as we go through the book of Ephesians, we will get to the part where the local church, the local church will play. Trust me, the local church will play a major role in God's plan for salvation. So if you don't think the church is necessary, I want to point you back to Ephesians. Then we can know why we gather, why we do church why we come together to worship Jesus, why we spend time with one another. So anyway, with that, why don't you guys stand up? I know you have uh, have been sitting for a little while. So uh, let's stand up. I'm gonna pray for us and um, we can end the meeting. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for you, God. We're so thankful for this morning. We are just thank you for your presence. We're so thankful that we're able to worship you and praise you and honor you. We pray that through our lives and through the things that we do this morning, that Jesus, that you will be exalted, that you will be lifted up, that you will be glorified, that you will be honored, Lord. We love you, God. We just pray that you will be exalted this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray to all these things in your mighty name, God. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on
1: Facebook and
0: Instagram.